Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 22, brought to you as always by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist, and the holiday has forced us into a bit of a different schedule, but that's not a bad thing. We've got a joint episode with Big Blue View up on the feed from earlier today. Tomorrow on Thanksgiving, you can listen to myself and Mark Schofield preview this matchup with Eli Manning on the QB Sco Show. But today, joining me, and may he forever reign, Brandon Lee Galton, BLG, how you doing, brother? I'm not going doing good, Mike. Uh, the Eagles are very bad. It is not a fun season, turns out. And here we are with the Eagles four and six playing the Giants, and I am not even sure if they will beat them this week. So not going great. Yeah, the teams are in two different two different trends here, which is unfortunate. And we're we're gonna hit on that, and we're also gonna hit on a wide range of overarching themes about this. Uh, about this season on this show but first question I gotta ask BLG because it's on the tip of everyone's tongue Uh, I gave some thoughts about it on the at the podium 11.5 episode leading into the press conferences but Mike Rowe is probably regretting saying that it's quote unquote a challenge integrating Golden Tate into the offense and my problem with it BLG is that it pointed to the Eagles not having a detailed plan on how to use Tate when they acquired him And it also pointed at him being potentially unqualified for the position of offensive coordinator that he currently holds, because I would argue it should be rather easy to integrate Golden Tate into this offense. But I'm also just a guy with a microphone and internet. So BLG, I wanted to do this impromptu show because you, as the face of Bleeding Green Nation, the kingmaker, if you will, uh, I feel like your voice on the state of the team needs to be heard, but I'm also wanting to know how you feel about these comments made from Grow and what they might mean. That is a very bad comment by Mike Grow. <laughs> That's what I will say. That like, like, you know, Eagles PR coaches these guys up before the press conference, and I'm not blaming it on them, but just like, man. Uh, that's one I think after the press conference they might conference about and be like, yeah, you shouldn't have said that, Mike. Like, not not a good one. I mean, everyone was just killing him on Twitter for that and everywhere yesterday. I mean, like it's a, it's the last thing you want to hear as an Eagles fan right now. It, it's so self incriminating. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I just basically don't know how to do my job. <laughs> like, okay, great, yeah, great, thanks, man. <laughs> like, like that is terrible. It, it's a terrible quote. And I mean, obviously, it's not untrue. I mean, they're they're really not like successfully incorporating him into the offense right now it's not like he's like just killing it out there so uh, at least he's being honest i guess but man a frustrating part of this year and obviously there's a lot of talk about 
you know, do the Eagles miss Frank Reich and John Filippo? And obviously they do. I mean, I think it's fair. <laughs> I think we can say they do. I think you can question to what extent. I think they were always due for natural regression to some extent. Even if Flip and Reich did stay, they were just so good in certain categories last right. year. They probably weren't going to sustain that. But, you know, to which the level to which they have dropped, and especially, you know, after the Saints game, I mean, you're facing a team that was, you know, in the 20s in DVOA and defense and points allowed. Like, they weren't a good defense, and you can only put seven up on them. Very frustrating, very uh, disappointing, and it kind of just shows you where this offense is at. And I think you have to take a look in the mirror, as the Eagles just keep loving to say, <laughs> which is probably driving everyone nuts, as it should. Because uh, I don't think that mirror has many answers right now. But Mike Rowe, I just, the thing that frustrates me about all of that is just, I don't think there was a real search for this offensive coordinator job or the quarterback coach job. There's been no indication that there was. Maybe there was. I don't know. I'm not saying definitively either way, but I can say for sure that there's been no indication that there was. And that kind of, like, that confuses me because what was the big selling point when they hired Doug Peterson? They brought this coaching staff in. It was that we have Doug Peterson, we have Frank Reich, we have John DiFilippo, yeah. three former quarterbacks, guys with experience. Like That was a huge like pillar of what this coaching staff was supposed to be built on. And all of a sudden, they lose two guys, which they couldn't control. Like I think we need to point that out because I feel like this whole idea that the Eagles kept the wrong coach is silly. Like, they, they, it wasn't their decision. Like The Colts wanted Frank Reich, so they got him. The Eagles couldn't yeah. do anything about that. That's just how the league works. Blame Josh McDaniels. <laughs> Blame Josh McDaniels. And with Flip, I mean, he had gone out the door before Reich got hired. So, And right. then he wanted to call plays anyway. So even if he had been uh, – if he, even if Reich had gone, uh, he still wanted – have wanted to leave because he wanted to call plays and he wasn't going to do that here because Doug Peterson's doing that. So what can you control basically is my my point. And that is who you hire to replace those guys. And to me, it doesn't seem like they put a lot of attention or focus or emphasis on that. It was kind of just like, well, we have Mike Rowe and Press Taylor in-house, so let's just promote them. And <laughs> I think that was clearly not looking like the best decision. And now look, ultimately that falls on Doug. It's his coaching staff. So right. if Mike Rowe is failing, that's Doug's fault ultimately. But Looking at Mike Rowe and just evaluating him, again, this is a guy who I don't think we were talking about it enough prior to this week until I was looking back at it. And I was like, you know what? Mike Rowe was the passing game coordinator for a Rams offense that ranked 31st in passing yards and 32nd in passing DVOA. Now, he wasn't calling the plays there. I don't know how much he was involved. But again, his title was passing game coordinator. And that offense was terrible. And we saw how good it looked, obviously, when Sean McVay took over last year. Like The, the, the jump from how bad it was to how good it was was amazing. Uh, so, I mean, suggesting that coaching definitely was an issue in there. So, uh, I clearly just don't think Mike Groh is an answer here. I would, I would be surprised if he was back at this point, really. And, and what's really surprising about it is, you know, he was a wide receivers coach and he did a fantastic job with that unit last yeah. year. And then he brings in a wide receiver and he doesn't know what to do with him. It just it, it blew my mind that he would say something like that. And then on the other side of the ball, you get Jim Schwartz saying that, you know, he's asked about Corey Unlin and, and the rest of the coaching staff under him on the defense. And he's asked about their performance and he just says four and six, which is like his go to. Because I remember yeah. several times when they were four and four and just going, well, they play like they were four and four. And while there's some truth to that, you know, the, sometimes we want to hear a little bit more. I know he's not going to give, you know, the full plate of what the facts are and how they're performing. You know, he's not going to show us the, the evaluation, if you will, on his staff. But at the same time, with the lack of development from the defensive backs and even with all the injuries, like there has been nobody young to come up and step up. And Sidney Jones has been 
up and down since he's come back. He's shown flashes, but he's also had some poor games as well. And the Saints came out and said that they wanted to test him coming back from his hamstring injury, which is per- you know perfectly understandable from their perspective. But this defense just hasn't shown that they have any life to him. And you look at the Saints game, and I was talking to you about this you know before the show. They mixed up the plan. He tried to get creative, but. Uh, what we ended up with was doubling Michael Thomas. Okay, fine. I get that. You put the cone bracket on him, just like we did with Odell Beckham Jr. That was effective uh, against the Giants and uh, somewhat effective in certain places against the Saints. But then they also, what I saw from when I watched the film, I saw a bunch of in and out bracket coverage against Alvin Kamara, who's lined up as a wide receiver coming out of the backfield. Like, we can't cover Alvin Kamara. We got Nigel Bradham out there who's taking up $9 million with the cap space, getting burned by Dan Arnold when we're doubling <laughs> these other guys. He's in single coverage and he can't cover that up. Like this defense as a whole, and this goes to the point that we were talking about before the show as well. There's nothing exciting about this team. There is nobody taking the next step up. You know, last year we had a bunch of surprise contributions and bounce back seasons from a lot of different players. And this season, you know, and offense and defense, but we were keeping it with the defense. We haven't seen any of those bounce back performances. And if anything, we've seen a drop off from players like Nigel Bradham that have hurt this team. The biggest thing that bothers me with the defense still is that they have seven, seven, seven takeaways in 10 games seven yeah that's horrible that is terrible like you have to almost be not trying to take away the ball to, to do that poorly like that is that is it ranks you know towards the bottom of the league it is is it's it's an issue obviously the team was a lot better at taking away the ball last year and i thought it was interesting because mike garofalo uh, friend of the podcast, I guess you could say, given the whole Benjamin Solak looking <laughs> out the window into darkness situation, um, where Mike's a good guy. Um, yeah. So is Ben. But anyway, the point there, he was talking about how, okay, you know, what's different about that? Because I think a lot of people, it's tempting to just look at the turnovers and be like, well, it's kind of just luck. And that's a factor in there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's situational. Uh, there's a lot of circumstance, uh, you know, fumbles bounce certain way. Uh, pass is tipped. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it for sure. But one thing that you can control, again, is where those turnovers were happening. And Mike Garofalo was pointing this out, and I want to do something more on this soon, is about how the Eagles are forcing turnovers last year because they were getting the other team into further down and distance. You know, they're not like turning, like, for example, you know, they were they were forcing teams into third and long as right. opposed to third and, and two. And when you're doing that, you know, you're able to force more turnovers because the other team has to be more aggressive with the ball to try to get right. that first down. And that's what they're not doing this year. And that's ultimately an issue. So I don't want to hear like the defense is completely blameless in this because, you know, I think some people have said that. And now I would say the offense is more to blame still. I'm not trying to take. There's a lot to pass around. The blame off of them. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing coming out of the Saints game that really bothered me. If we're talking going back to that a little bit, it's just like. We don't need to, I mean, obviously, we're media types. You know, we talk about the team, we write about the team, we podcast about the team. We're always going to assess blame. And it's, it's just right. natural. I get it. Like, it's part of the game, if you will. But, like, in reality, the bl- there's plenty of blame to go around. It's not like we have to, like, this person is more at fault than this other person. Okay? Right. Like, like, it's all kind of equal. I mean, maybe that's true, but what's what are we talking about percentage here? Like, this guy's 51% to blame and the other guy's, like, 49%. <laughs> like, okay. Like, like that makes a big difference. So, that's kind of uh, just a frustrating aspect of all this, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, I will say, though, coming out of the Saints game, you know, it was hard to be, like, pissed, at least for me, about the defense just because right. you knew – you knew the Saints were going to score. Like you just yeah. knew that. And the secondary is just getting like obliterated. They for they don't even have Jalen Mills. They don't have Ronald Darby. They don't have Rodney McLeod. And all of a sudden, Craven LeBlanc and Shannon Sullivan 
and like those guys are in there. Rizul Douglas is getting toasted. Sidney Jones, who was healthy, the Saints went into the game thinking he was a weak point, which I think is kind of a little bit concerning in the long term. Like he, that is supposed to be one of your best players. Yeah. Um. So a lot of issues there for sure. But even going into how the offense could help this team more. I mean, hey, maybe stay on the field and the defense <laughs> isn't giving up so many points because they don't have to just be on the field the whole game. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot to blame right now. A lot of frustrating things with this team. It's uh, it's a complete team failure. And on that note, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on some of these quotes that are going around. You have Jason Kelsey last week talking about how there's a lack of accountability on this team. And I thought that quote was kind of confusing a little bit at the time because he didn't like I didn't know exactly what that meant. But then this week, you know, after the Saints game, you have Malcolm Jenkins coming out and he's saying that he didn't like this team's demeanor when he was looking. And he was clearly pissed because Malcolm Jenkins is a guy who always stands in the locker room after the game and answers your questions. And he's pretty composed for the most part. But he was slamming his helmet. He was flipping off Sean Payton. He wasn't talking after the game in the locker room. He eventually did talk to some reporters, but like not like he usually does. So... Like, what is going on with this team? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I had read those comments and I wasn't sure how much to, to read into it, just being frustration with how the season has gone and also being lit up for 48 points. But when I was watching the film last night, I took a second dive into it and I specifically noted I, I wanted to watch the players as the play developed and then after the play as well. And like the just the demeanor from some of the guys just wasn't there after the play. It just like everything was just kind of a shrug. And, and it didn't look like they were putting everything out there. And I think that's kind of what Malcolm Jenkins is referring to. Like it was a foregone conclusion for this defense that they were just going to get toasted. And that's something that you absolutely cannot have. And at the same time, too, if you're, if you're talking about the attitude of the defense, the attitude of this defense stems from guys like Malcolm Jenkins. And it also stems from a ferocious pass rush, which did not show up in this game. And this is the first time I can really say that this season because it's been tossed out there before throughout the season in cases where it wasn't really applicable. But in this one, there were only four total pressure dropbacks from the Philadelphia Eagles defense per uh, pro football focus allowed by the Saints offensive line on any given play. That's a a complete outlier from, from what we've seen. And when you look at the defense, you don't see the attacking downhill style. You don't see that the effort that we've seen before. And I'm not saying that guys are just not trying, but man, it just seems they'd seem dejected for mo- early in the game too. It wasn't like a second yeah. half collapse type thing where like last year against the Cowboys, we made them quit in the second half. It, it didn't feel like that. It was just like the whole game was just a big shrug. And that really showed up on film for me, which is depressing to see. And, and BLG, speaking of like confidence uh, in the team, confidence in yourself, you recently did uh, a power rankings roundup. And it looks like that the media recognizes what all of us recognize and may even uh, feel better about us, uh, about the team juxtaposed to what the current mood is uh, inside the locker room and even here with the media after the 48-7 to 7 shellacking that was put on us by the Saints. If I remember correctly, the most common ranking was 18, yeah. and the average was 19.5. Um, over under BLG, I think I know the answer. Uh, how are you feeling about this team compared to the rest of the uh, the media right now? Yeah, I, I have my, in my personal ones, I have them down at like 24. So yeah, definitely I, I'm on the, on the, that's actually the lowest. There was another, so someone else had them down at 24 too. I think <laughs> no one hates the Eagles like we can hate the Eagles. Yes. BLG. Well, we're allowed to do that. That's the thing. No one else is, it's like, you know, your little brother thing. Like no one else yeah. can talk crap about your little brother, but you can. Um, so yeah, I, I just, it's hard to feel good about this team. Like I get they're still alive and I don't discount that 
the NFL season is crazy. Things are unexpected and they happen all the time. I'm not ruling it out, but like, how can you just say it's realistic? Like that they can just go on right. a run here. They haven't won back to back games all season. They have lost their last three games at home when previously they had the best home field advantage in the NFL. Like, what are you, what are you hanging your hat on with this mm-hmm. team right now? Like, what is, what makes you feel good about them? Like, I can't find it. They are 22nd. In offensive DVOA, they're 22nd in defensive DVOA, and they're 22nd in special teams DVOA. So they're just terrible. <laughs> they're just consistently below average across the board. Uh, they're they're 20th in point differential by comparison. By the way, the Giants are actually better in DVOA overall at 21st, and they are 26th, so they're worse in point differential. I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to feel good about with this team right now? I know Carson Wentz, in theory, you know, is a good quarterback, but he's coming off his worst game. He's probably not going to play that poorly moving forward it would be very hard for him to do that I think Doug Peterson overall I still have confidence in him in the long term but I have no confidence in this offense as a whole right now they're not showing me anything right. uh, the offensive coordinators saying you can't freaking incorporate Golden Tate into the offense so how am I supposed to have a lot of confidence there uh, it's a tough spot and it's unfortunate and uh, I think a good key point here from uh, BGN writer Matt Harkinreader talking about how the last time the Eagles got embarrassed the way they did against the Saints was, of course, by the Bengals in 2016. Right. And I felt like at the time that that was a really important stretch afterwards. Like the Eagles were, were virtually eliminated from the playoffs at that point. Um, but it was important to see how that team fought because I thought if that team folded down the stretch, I thought mm. Doug Peterson should maybe be a one and done because if he loses this team like that and they're not even going to show up and play with effort, then mm. that's an issue. You know, so these bad games happen every once in a while. But if, you know, the Giants come in here on Sunday and they <laughs> kick this team's butt, and, like it's not even competitive again, and it continues to look that way down the stretch, like that's going to be concerning. And that's that's going to say a lot. So playoffs are not even. I just kind of want to see this team get back to, you know, being at least competitive and showing that, you know, they're, they're in these games. And just honestly, from the fan perspective, I just want it to be fun, Mike. Like yeah. we were talking before the show. They've had one fun game this year, like one enjoyable game. They've obviously won a couple, so winning is cool and all, but those wins haven't felt great. Like, did you really feel awesome about the first win of the season? Like, about, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was good. Yes, it was a good result. They went at home, foals, whatever. Uh, but, like, you know, it, there were issues there. And, you know, they beat the Colts because they barely hold on late in the yeah. game. Like, you didn't feel like super awesome about that. And then, of course, they beat the Jaguars. Uh, same thing. Like, you're Ooh. you're not feeling awesome about that after Blake Bortles, like, almost beat the team. So, I just want the team to have, like, a good win. And the opportunity's here, but my confidence is low. Yeah, and I talk a lot and have talked throughout this season about, you know, the, the Washington Redskins, how they can be real Jekyll and Hyde. They can be – they can show up for a game or they just completely not show up for a game. When they show up for a game, they're a very competent team, and obviously they have new – uh, situations surrounding that right now with Alex Smith going down, but they're capable of putting together 60 minutes of, of football. And even though they might not show up for some games, they do have stretches where they look very good uh, and play above their level. The Eagles haven't played, other than the Giants game, a full 60-minute game where they were able to put everything together. And I think that's the most concerning thing. And they haven't been able to string two games together on top of that. I mean, if, if you can't play 60 minutes, you can't play two games. So I guess that goes hand in hand. But still, it, we just keep waiting and we keep waiting for this to turn around 
for the light bulb to come on. And while that's happening, the roster is a revolving door with guys going down with injuries and guys like Timmy Jernigan coming back. And there's no stability with this team. And the hope was coming out of the bye that they would put it on the Dallas Cowboys at home. And they didn't. And the hope was you would at least see some life from the offense against the Saints' leaky pass defense. And that never materialized. Is this a failure to hit the gas stemming from a messaging problem with Doug Peterson? And for instance, you look at what this offseason was, and I've said this before this week on 97.5 The Fanatic, it doesn't seem like this team was ready to close the book on 2017, and it has led to the book never opening in 2018. And when you think about some of the comments made by the players and the Peterson book tour and all those factors besides the injuries, because we all know about the injuries and their impact, but if you put those aside, uh, are you of the same mind uh, with me that the Eagles really never mentally moved on from 2017, or if they did, that it was already too late? Well, it's been mixed messaging, right? I think it's fair to say that. I mean, Doug's talking about the new norm over here, (laughs) which which, if this is the new norm, please unsubscribe me from this new norm (laughs) because it is not the norm that I prefer. Uh, But yeah, I feel like it's just been mixed messaging. Like going back to, you know, I think about the the Super Bowl ring ceremony and Doug was talking about, you know, how like at midnight after that, you know, we, we turn the page or whatever. At the same time, you know, you still have these big Super Bowl banners and reminders everywhere. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have them. They won the Super Bowl. That's right. special. I think you should acknowledge that in your place of work. But oh, for sure. Then they're taking the sign out a couple of weeks into the season. Uh, like it's and then they lose to the Panthers and all of a sudden the pressure is off. Like, I still don't know what that means. Uh, like, I feel like the messaging has been muddled. And it's just not landing. It doesn't feel like it's landing. It's not landing. And even with the media, which isn't the most important thing, but like, you know, Doug Peterson has his press conference today on Wednesday. And towards the end of the, the, his conference, he's talking about how the four and six Eagles are a quote, a player two away from flipping the script. So we're close. Like, Oh my God, dude. Oh wait, hold on. Hold on. He, he said that like four or five weeks ago, the, the real whole reason that you're a player two away is because you're putting yourselves in those situations and you're being in games that you shouldn't be in. The, it wasn't a player two away against the Panthers. You had a 17 and nothing lead. Mm-hmm. You had a two-score lead against the Titans. That is not a play or two away. You're a bad football team right now. That's what it is. So I, I hate that. Bad, bad I, I teams lose close games. Kind of yeah, to the exactly. fan base. Like, like we're not – like, we're, we're watching this team too, Doug. Like, we, <laughs> we're not that dumb. Like, I, I, I get it's coach speak and, like, it doesn't matter a ton in the sense of, like, what Doug Peterson says there doesn't determine necessarily directly if they win or lose on Sunday. I get that. But it's just not encouraging. Like, does anyone really feel better after hearing that? No. Is, is Doug Peterson going to say anything that makes me feel better? Maybe not. But is he going to say something that at least not make me feel even worse? I mean, hopefully, <laughs> like, that should be the goal. Like, don't say something that's going to make me feel even worse about you and the team. Like, don't do that. Just say something boring. Like, hey, you know, we're not winning right now. We got to do better. Like, okay, that's fair. You know, that's I think that's great right. analysis, actually. <laughs> um, so, so to hear that, it's kind of like, stop. Like, no, they're not. You're you are four and sixteen. Like. There's nothing fluky about being four and six. Like this team deserves to be four and six. Right. Like, it is a very accurate record. It's not one of those. Now there are situations I think in different seasons where you know like your point differential might be really good and your your record isn't as good as that, and that's a little bit fluky. Maybe you should have won some of those games you lost. That does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't. And if on the flip side, it happens the other way, and that's why I thought the Giants, who were 
like what they won 10 or 11 games in 2016 like i knew they were going to be bad the next year because like right. they didn't have a good point differential they're beating these bad teams and they're like barely beating them uh and they were kind of frauds so they were actually worse than their record said they are yeah. but this team again 23rd in dvoa 20th point differential they're four and six like they deserve to be there and that's what they are and and <laughs> and as i think uh was it zach rosenblatt i think someone said on twitter that was a four and six press conference to use jim terms <laughs> terminology there are Jim Schwartz's terminology so yeah that. it was a four and six and right now we might be a four and six podcast but I, I, I would hope we can improve <laughs> that's that's a great point I like that they threw it back on them BLG uh, I think that's gonna cover it we, we've had enough bitterness for for this holiday season it's time to to get with the families and we hope you enjoyed this show BLG you have any other thoughts before we end this bad boy just want to say, you know, obviously the holiday is coming up, Thanksgiving. If you are celebrating, I just want to, if or if you're not, either way. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I want to say that cranberry sauce is awful, and that's why I will put that out there right oh! now. It's terrible. I'm just going to come oh! out and say that. Um, it's a personal attack. <laughs> it's it's really bad. It does not belong. Uh, you wouldn't know, Mike, but in years past of BGN Radio. I'm not the biggest fan of Thanksgiving food as a whole. I think it needs to be kind of revamped. I'm kind of looking at some of these Southern Thanksgivings I'm seeing where they have mac and cheese and like Southern potato, mashed potatoes, which apparently are like potatoes with cream cheese and bacon and like cheddar cheese in there. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, why why is this not in my life? So, but that's a whole (laughs) other thing. Are you a ham or a turkey guy real quick? I'm a ham guy. Oh, you're a turkey guy. Oh, wow. I mean, I can do a ham, but it's not like... I can have a little bit of ham. It's fine, but it's not my thing. I can have a whole plate full of ham. Wow. Just slap it on and then put some cranberry sauce right on that bad boy. Oh, and- man. This is... This is- <laughs> No, I can't agree. It's going um, south for you. But uh, I just wanted to say that uh, Thanksgiving food takes aside that I will be a little cheesy here for a moment and say I'm very appreciative, of course, of all your guys' support. I am thankful for that. So it means a lot as... We pointed out here the the, the show with um, Ed and you, Mike, was the 100th episode overall of yeah. the whole the new feed since the relaunch here. That's really awesome. We're glad to keep this thing going. Whether the Eagles struggle or not, we'll be here for you. So at least you can have that to either look forward to or dread, depending on your preference or your point of view. Uh, and of course, as always, iTunes ratings and reviews, very important. Please leave those in there. Uh, tell us what you're thankful for. Or tell us what you don't like. Whatever. It's up to you. Uh, We appreciate that. That's all I got. So because we hit that benchmark of 100 episodes soon, sometime next week on one of the Kissed and Solak shows, uh, me and Ben will read out some of our favorite reviews. So if you haven't gotten them in yet, leave a five-star rating on the the Apple Podcast there and uh, throw in your written review. Make it funny. Punch it up. And uh, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. And, you know, uh, these are definitely tough times. We're going to get through it because we all we got – We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season. Man, the 2018 season was, well, it was interesting anyway, and the upcoming offseason looks to be even more interesting. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Phillies this offseason, subscribe to the Good Fight podcast feed and get my podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, 
broadcasters and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. And you'll get bonus podcasts, every time big news is made with the team. Seriously, if you want to stay up to date on everything revolving around your favorite baseball team as they return to contention, make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.